First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, episode 686 of First Class Fatherhood. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. And today's interview is one that I recorded live in Washington, D.C. at CPAC with former guest, former three-time guest on the podcast, Army Ranger, American hero, Sean Parnell. Stopped by the booth that I had over there at CPAC. We sat down for an interview to catch up, follow up. Sean Parnell served our country bravely. He was the captain of Outlaw Platoon, uh, which was involved in such an insane conflict in which everybody was wounded. Everybody received the Purple Heart, yet they continued on, won the fight. He wrote a really a New York Times bestselling book uh, about this firefight. It's called Outlaw Platoon. Parnell has also written several fiction books. And after pressing him on this a couple of times in the podcast here, asking him if he was going to throw his hat into the political arena, he finally decided to do so after Donald Trump suggested that he run uh, for senator in Pennsylvania. He decided to do so. Former President Donald Trump endorsed Sean Parnell's campaign, wanted him to be the next senator in Pennsylvania. And that's when Sean's life really took a turn. Uh, The family court system, which we know is one of the most corrupt systems in this country, parlayed with a vicious ex-wife, really, and just a system that wanted to eliminate Sean from a race in which he was favored to win, all teamed up together and forced Sean out of the race uh, because of a custody battle. His ex-wife made up lies about him, which so many of you dads out there have emailed me. All of your heartbroken stories, I get them uh, week after week. I hear from you guys with the, the trouble that you're going through with the family court system. I sit down with Sean. We talk all about this. He's got some great advice for you dads, especially the ones uh, that are right at the onset of a divorce or a custody situation. So listen up. It was such an honor to finally meet Sean in person and sit down with him and have this conversation. Also had an opportunity to meet his lovely new wife. Sean is also hosting his own podcast, the Battleground Podcast. You got to check that out. The link will be down there in today's show notes. My sit down interview with Sean Parnell will be here in just a few minutes. So please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Sean Parnell, of course, was captured on video. It is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you're going to watch today's conversation between the American hero and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, there will be several more interviews to come from my time coverage down there at CPAC in Washington, D.C. Uh, such a great experience I had. I brought my son Logan, my middle son, with me. He's 15 years old. Uh, he really enjoyed the experience. I'll be uploading several more of the interviews that I did while I was down there at CPAC. So that's coming your way. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore for all the upcoming guest announcements. Hey, listen, I ran into Mike Lindell down there at the CPAC. We got a chance to catch up. He's got the MyPillow 2.0. You got it. If you love the MyPillow, this has got the extra added ingredients. It's got the cooling gel or the cooling system upgrade. And right now, buy one, get one free is still on. You can buy one, get one free using the coupon code FATHERHOOD at MyPillow.com. So take advantage of that. MyPillow.com, promo code FATHERHOOD. Buy one, get one free on the brand new MyPillow 2.0. 
And coming Friday, boy, have I got a phenomenal guest for you guys, a Navy SEAL, Chris Beck, who transitioned to a woman after his time in the SEAL team, served with SEAL Team 6. He then uh, detransitioned. He's now speaking out against transgenderism with little kids and what's going on with this entire thing, which has become uh, such a hustle from the LGBT community with the young kids. Everybody knows about it. So we're going to have Navy SEAL Chris Beck, who became Kristen Beck, and then went back to Chris Beck. We're going to talk about it all right here on First Class Fatherhood, coming for a special Frogman Friday edition of the podcast. So let's jump into it. Here is my sit-down interview with First Class Father, Army Ranger, U.S. American hero, New York Times bestselling author, Sean Parnell on First Class Father. Joining me now... Former three-time guest on the podcast here, uh, first class father Sean Parnell. Welcome back. Hey, this is this is my claim to fame, Alec. This is like a pretty amazing podcast. We were talking about before it came on. Like, you have some like amazing, amazing guests on this show, and I think you're talking about something that is immensely, immensely important. It doesn't get talked about enough. No, not at all. And I have been blessed to have a lot of guys. You see them on the board. I got you on the tie here too. I don't got you on the board there, but I got you on the tie. All right. But but all kidding aside here, yes, uh, I think all these things that we're talking about at CPAC, the policies and all this other stuff, all of it doesn't mean anything if we can't get our nuclear family units strengthened in this country again. Now, the family court system in our country is a total, um, how do you say, a cartel. It's a, it's a total catastrophe. Nobody knows it better than you. So I want to ask you an update now on your kids. How old are your kids now, and how is your relationship with them going since everything's happened? Well, you know, my relationship with my kids is incredibly strong. Um, my, my kids, like my oldest is Ethan, he's 14. My middle is Emma, she's 12. My youngest is Evan, Evan and he's 10. Um, you know, they, they're doing okay. You know, they don't like this new order. I think they'd tell you that, too. Um, but to your point about the family court system, they, if you sat down, Democrats and Republicans, and asked them, how best can we solve some of the problems that we face in this country? I think many of them would say, well, I think those conversations about how to solve these problems need to happen around the dinner table. You know, moms and dads involved in the lives of their children, teaching them things about loyalty, respect, honor, integrity, talking to them when they don't get a good grade, attending their extracurricular activities, being involved in their lives, right? But the family court, the family courts in this country, they don't, they, they pull families apart and make it difficult to do that, oftentimes citing conflict as the reason for doing it. But here, I have an issue with that as a standard for splitting up families or awarding custody to one parent or the other. Now, fathers, now look, this is an issue that affects moms and dads, but fathers by and large in this country, if, if, even according to the U.S. Census Bureau, they lose custody. If they find themselves in a contentious custody fight, they lose custody of their children 80% of the time. And even if you look in a state like Pennsylvania where I had my family court case, there's an organization called the Dad's Resource Group or Dad's Resource Center. Um, they did a study of 700 custody cases from a random sample of 15 different counties all across the state of Pennsylvania. And something like 400 plus 
of those instances, mom got custody. There's like 104 instances of shared custody. And just 100 out of 700 did dad get custody. This is a major, major problem uh, in this country of fathers being willfully taken out of the lives of their children by the government. And, and the reason for it is, and I'm, I'm slightly ashamed to say that I did not know any of this prior to getting caught up in the system myself, but the reason for it is, Alec, is that that states are incentivized to split up families and order child support amounts because they get reimbursed almost on a dollar-for-dollar dollar basis to every child support dollar that they dole out. So the federal government reimburses state governments for child support enforcement. And what, it, what, it, what essentially happens is it's a massive incentive for appellate, uh, trial courts, appellate courts to split up families. And it has to stop. There has to be a better way. And, and, and I'll tell you, like, I could talk all day on this, as you could probably tell, Alec, but, like, like, there needs to be like federal equal shared parenting laws, period, end of story. Like the, the laws vary far too much in each of the 50 states. Um, and, you know, unless there is a clear and convincing case of abuse, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, and I'm talking like clear as day where the child is in danger, like parents or children should have access, equal access to both parents. Like, who is protecting the constitutional rights of these children and the access to both parents? It's like, we can do better. We have to do better. The future of our country, I think, depends on it. Very, very well said, Sean. Yeah, and, and you know what? The system is benefiting while our society is just crumbling because of what's happening, because of this Absolutely entire right. thing. And, and it's not talked about nearly enough. And everybody seems to kind of know that it's going on, but like, hey, yeah, that's just the way it is. You want to know, know why? I, I'm like learning, I like going through this myself. And like, you know, when I went through probably I had the O.J. Simpson trial, of custody trials. So like every media outlet in the country was there. First of all, like custody trials should be sealed, period, end of story. Like, like, or complete access. And, and what I mean by that is like nothing should be told through the prism of the media. Like the media in this country is broken. They don't tell the truth. They have a narrative that they stick to and that's it. So like, and, I, and, and the perfect example that I can give of this is like, imagine what the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial would look like if there weren't cameras in there. Like, do you think Johnny Depp would have had a fair shake at all? Hell no. And the reason why he did is because there were cameras in there capturing it all and the American people could judge for themselves. Um, but, but children right now in this country, I think by and large, the reason why a lot of this stuff doesn't get handled when you talk to legislators, both Democrats or Republicans, they don't want to get They think like, ah, uh, divorce is, you know, ah, uh, there are two sides to every story. Divorce is ugly. They don't want to get involved in family court drama. And then so what happens is they take a step back and no one handles the problem. And it gets worse and worse and worse to where, I mean, you know this, and I hear you talk about it on your show, but children that don't have access to their fathers on a daily basis or even on a, on a regular basis uh, do worse in school. They're far more likely to smoke cigarettes or do drugs. They're, 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 they're far more likely to commit suicide or commit some sort of self-harm. They have uh, more emotional issues in school. They have less positive relationships with their friends. Like, when you take fathers out of the home, not only does it create problems for that family and the children in the moment, but you're setting that child up for failure in the real world because if parents can't handle their child and give them some sense of structure in their childhood, society handles them later, and that's where we're at now. Right, and, and you know what, the messaging too, like I get it a lot from uh, from single moms that'll come out and say, well, I raised my son and uh, or three kids by myself and they turned out okay. 
And my message to them is I, it's not a knock. Like we are, we are filling up the prison systems in this country with one particular type of person, and that is a fatherless child, a, fa a boy, a man who grew up without a father in the home. So not every kid who grows up without a dad is going to end up in prison, but 85% of the kids in prison are coming from fatherless households. And, and look, like if you're a single mom and you raised your kids on your own and the dad didn't want to be around or walked out or didn't fulfill his role as a father, I mean, I, amazing, like amazing work. You're a freaking superhero to be able to handle that on your own, like, like amazing. But it doesn't mean that that situation is ideal. It doesn't mean that that's a situation that that child wants to be in. I mean, right. a, a guy smokes till he's 90 years old, never has a health problem. Does that mean it's good for everybody to smoke right. now? You know right. what I mean? There's always an outlier to these things, but yeah. it's, it's always. And I remember in 2008, Barack Obama, he got the nomination. He wasn't president just yet, but he gave a Father's Day speech that was very powerful. And he talked about the fatherless crisis, particularly in the African-American community. He said it's nowhere is it worse than in, our, in the African-American community. He, and he said, you know, a lot of that is due to some injustices, and those injustices are real, but we can't keep using that as an excuse. And it was a very good speech. Unfortunately, we never heard him talk about that ever again once he became president. I've seen, I've seen maybe that on the Internet once. You don't even see it like on websites on the Internet much anymore either, right? Um, and, yeah, it's a, it's a real problem. You know, and, and like when I talk about the idea that kids deserve to have both parents, like who is protecting these children and their constitutional right and their constitutional access to have two parents that love them? You know, like is there going to be conflict in a divorce? Like, of course. Right. There's conflict and then there's conflict. Right. Like, and typically if the conflict is so bad, Alec, you know, the kids will tell you. Right. But. And you also like pair that with the fact that like there's research out there that says 80% of allegations of domestic violence and, and, and other things like that in the family court system are not true. And that's leveled by men and women. So like when you're, when you're looking at the lion's share of allegations raised in the family court system not to be true, obviously they're, they're leveled at one parent or the other to give them a leg up in custody in the hopes that they get more custody time with their kids. Like what I want to see is I want to see that gladiator stuff completely removed from the equation. Whereas if families walk into a court system and one parent is filing for primary or sole legal custody of the children over a, a father or a mom, that judge looks at them and says, you know what, you know, sir or ma'am, there better be a damn good reason why you're asking for this. There better be a damn good reason. And, and, and all, I think that comes part and parcel with that is that false allegations, whether they're leveled by fathers or mothers, need to be punishment for it. Like, you can't let people get away with leveling false accusations in a court system that can ruin someone's life. More often than not, it's, it's the fathers. Also, they're tattooing that information onto the kids, and the kids now believe that as to be the truth. And I wanted to ask you this. So you've been obviously through the ringer with this stuff. What advice do you have for the father that's on the onset right now of this type of situation, going through the divorce and the custody battle? What, what, what is your message? I mean, what have you learned? Well, I mean, first and foremost, like, if you can save and salvage your marriage, do it. Like sometimes, sometimes you can't, and I recognize that. And, and the and look, fifty percent of the people in this country have been divorced. It's a it's a real thing. It's a real problem for a lot of people. And the other fifty percent of the people in this country know someone who's been through a contentious divorce. So we're all affected by it in a lot of different ways. But if you can salvage your marriage in some way, do it because, you know, kids just do better in 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 a, in, in a nuclear family where mom and dad are still together. But if you can't, and you know in your heart of hearts that there's no going back. I feel like, and this might be an overgeneralization, so forgive me if it is, but like, I feel like men are more reticent to let go and more, 
more hesitant to get help early on. In other words, like they're more hesitant to reach out to a lawyer, to reach out to any resources that might be available to help that very stressful time, you know? Because divorce, whether you're a mom or you're a dad, and especially the kids, it's extremely, extremely difficult on everybody. So sometimes I feel like moms are just like, you know, moms sort of run the show, they run, they run the show, like for the most part in the households that I've been in, like my mom as an Italian mother, like ran the show. It was just how it was, you know? And I feel like by and large, like having been an advocate for men that are going through this now over the last 18 months, men are not as prepared. And, and, and look at it, like, look at it like this. I'll give you an example like this. There are women's resource centers in every county in the state of Pennsylvania. How many men's resource centers are in the counties? Not a single one. Not a single one. Not one. So that tells you that there are more resources available to, to women than there are to men. That's a problem. Because of that, men are less prepared, perhaps less willing to let go. Like, they don't like change. And so men oftentimes find themselves behind the power curve. Like, and so if you have a sense, and you're a man out there, you feel like your family's falling apart, your world's falling apart, find someone that can help you think straight and navigate that problem so that your family... It's, it's always going to be a difficult time for everybody involved, but like, find someone that can help guide you and then advocate for you and fight for you. And, and, and what I mean by that is you're going to have a lot of family court attorneys. Just when you look at the stats of how often men lose custody of their children, 80%, they're going to say, just take the bare minimum. Just take the bare minimum. And in my case, like, like you know, every media outlet in the country at my custody trial, but no one bothered to ask the question. It was like, wait, this is a father fighting to be in the lives of his children, like, shouldn't that be applauded? Like, you know, shouldn't, there was a time, there was a point in time in this country where we celebrated fathers wanting to be involved in the lives of their children. You know, I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars fighting to be in the lives of my children. And the media made it seem like when I was at the height of my Senate race, that all this was happening, like it was a new thing. It wasn't a new thing. I've been in, caught up in the custody system for, since 2017, right? Hundreds of thousands of dollars on the family court system. And here, here's the thing that, that, that will blow you away. Had I just walked away, right, and did, like, the every other weekend dad thing or, and just paid my child support, maybe never even talked to my kids again and just was half involved, I would still have a better custody arrangement than I do right now. How is that justice? Not for me. I can handle it, and I'm going to keep fighting for my kids. But how is that justice for my kids? They don't deserve that. They didn't ask for that. And... and Again, what I'm slightly ashamed to say, Alec, is that there are millions of fathers in the same boat as me, and come hell or high water, before I pass from this earth, like I will change these laws for families that come through it after me. I, I pray to God that you do, and I, I'll tell you what, I know. listen, you're an American hero. I, I always love having you on the show, but my heart broke and hurt for you when I saw some of the stuff on social media being said about you, being talked about you. I, I can't imagine. Now, a lot of dads go through this. They go through it on the down low and, and, and everything. Yours was so public, and to be out there like that, I mean, what did... Uh, have your kids how to see all this stuff how do you how do you deal with it with your kids how do you explain uh, any of this stuff so I, Alec I I feel like my relation you asked me early on and I, I like how my relationship is with my kids if there's a silver lining to any of, of this and there there aren't many but we have a stronger relationship now than we ever did before because we don't take it for granted and we know how fragile it can be like something like this. You have a, a, somebody in a black robe that meets your kids for three days. All of a sudden, they're gone from your life 80% of the time. Things can change that fast in the family court system. So I think, I don't want to speak for my kids, but 
I think that they would say that we have, we don't take for, uh, for granted that relationship anymore. Because sometimes, like when you're always there and you're in a routine, like you expect things will never change. But that's not life, right? Sometimes in life, you're throwing a curveball. You, you know, um, as it pertains to the to the custody trial and all those super public false allegations, um, I tried to have the trial sealed. Um, and the media made it out to be like, oh, Sean Parnell is trying to prevent his wife from, his ex-wife from talking about abuse. That had nothing to do with it. What I said to the judge was, listen, if, I, if, if this custody trial is open and my kids are exposed to some of the more negative elements that mom says about me or that I might have to say about her in a trial and that those things are reported. Like, my kids aren't going to be present in the trial, but if those things are reported on by the media and my oldest son is old enough to go on the internet and Google it and find out for himself what's going on, how is that any different than me talking negatively about their mom? The court would rightly frown upon that. So why then is their position on an open trial with kids exposed to all of that toxicity, how is that in their best interest? When the charge of the family court system is the best interest of the kids, how are children served by a media with a narrative that just just pushing one side because when those allegations were leveled like they didn't the media never reported that I didn't I mean maybe one article reported that I completely denied them right and they didn't report at all that the judge didn't find any of it you know what the judge weighted most significantly in my decision my custody decision was that I was the leading candidate for United States Senate and essentially it had me busy on the campaign trail and therefore not around enough for my kids, even though even though there was no evidence presented of me ever missing a custody period at all. Never mind the fact that can you imagine if that order was issued to a single mom who was trying to pay for her children and, and make a living? Like, can you imagine? Like what like but because I'm a dad, it's permissible. Yeah, you know? Uh, un- unbelievable. Working my butt off to better my position to provide for my family, I get punished for that. I remember Dean Kane being on the show and talking about how he was put in that situation with his acting career where he was fighting a stay-away case for with his son, and he had an option at the time to take a role that would have made him one of the largest paid actors in TV at the time, but if he took it, he would have had no chance of having anything custody with his son. He would have lost the case. So he, had a, he turned it down right away, and that was the end of that opportunity for him. But it's like, why are you putting that position in the first place? Why, why it's ridiculous. Are, it, it, I, I'm sorry. Like, you know, and, and again, like... I'm not saying anything negative about the judge. I respect his decision. I respect his order. I followed it to the word, right? I don't agree with it. That's why I'm fighting it and I'm appealing it because it's not good for my kids. Um, and by the way, like, I want my children to have access to their mother. Like, that's not something that that I ever want to see taken away from them. Again, my position is kids deserve to have mom and dad in their life. You know, kids deserve to have access to love of a mother and a father. But, like, when you have... When you look at that, not only did they did they take primary custody, to get awarded primary custody of my ex, like, I lost legal custody. So you have as much say in the lives of my children as I do. No abuse, no drugs, no alcohol. No, the incarcerated have more parental rights of their own children than me. Drug addicts, sex offenders have more rights of their children than me. I've, ne- I've, I've never done anything but try to serve my country. And... And that, to me, is why the, the ruling is, is so, so, so egregious. And especially when you, when you look at, like, okay, these parents can't agree. Um, father's making unilateral decisions. Mom's making unilateral decisions. Clearly, like, okay, the decision-making authority should be with just one. This wasn't the instance in my case at all. I mean, my kids go to private school. They have all these sports. Is there conflict in, in my relationship with my ex? Like, of course you go through a divorce, there's going to be conflict. But my kids aren't exposed to it, you know? Um, so 
yeah, I'm fighting the order. I'm going to continue to fight the order. And I, I believe in the system. Um, I have to believe in the system. But you can bet that when I come through this, there will ne- every waking moment of my life moving forward will be to fix this broken system because it is broken. And these rulings that are issued in these family courts are every bit as consequential as criminal court rulings. They tear apart families, so we have to fix the problem. They lead to the criminal court hearings. It's, a big, it's one big self-licking ice cream cone. And, and the most advanced country on the face of the planet we can do so much better than that. Yeah, definitely. And I know now you're, you're remarried now. Yes. Your wife is here with you. Yes, she's right back there. What, what, what has, what has uh, your relationship been like now with your wife and your kids? Is it, do they have the, the former uh, relationship there? How is that? I know that she's coming in you know, to, to, to a difficult situation. So how has that been for her? She has been, um, she is a warrior. And I'll tell you, I would not have been able to make it through this without her. Like, I'm telling you, like, and she's got girls, and now they're a part of the family. They're not my biological daughters, but I, I love them like they are. And they get along with my kids so well. Like, you snap your fingers, you go from three kids to, to five right off the bat. So, we're like, we're like the Brady Bunch without Alice, you know. Um, but she's a warrior, and without her, I'm telling you, man, I couldn't have made it. I, 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 we're still in it, you know. Uh, we're still fighting. Um, but I'm not going to give up. And if it, but I might have if it wasn't for her. I'm not even joking. Like, I feel like how many men are put in a position that I was in that maybe didn't have the public profile or didn't have the money to fight, you know? How many men just walk away because it's too difficult and they don't have the money? That is an unacceptable reason to be taken out of the lives of your children. And again, I keep coming back to this, but we can do so much better. I get those emails every week. There's never a week goes by I don't get at least one or two emails from a dad that's in that same position you just described. So I wanted to ask you: Are you doing? Are you still doing the writing career? What was the last book? All Out War. What was the last one you did? So the last one was a a book called um, Left for Dead. So I've got one. So I've got one nonfiction called Outlaw Platoon. I've got four. fiction books but those contracts weren't renewed after the custody so this is a poor me so you lost that as well yeah well everything i mean you lose that because I, I came into politics you know with corporate partnerships and everything else like all of it gone and this is again this isn't a poor me like again sometimes life throws you curveballs we're working through them we're, it's fine you know um hardship i'm grateful for the hardship alec because it's going to make me a tougher stronger person when i see this through the end i'm not going to quit and keep fighting for for my kids because they deserve a father that's going to fight for them and um and we'll get back on the horse we got plans to write more books so i at a minimum have to round out the story for everyone who's read all four of them you know so i look forward to that all right last thing i want to hit you with here i'd love to close it out this way uh what kind of advice do you have for that brand new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening don't ever quit on your kids. And it's, it's, there are going to come times where, even in, in the greatest of relationships, where you feel like parenting doesn't come with a manual. Like you feel like if there's late nights with your kid crying or, you know, you feel like you're not worthy of being a dad. I mean, if you're, if you're parenting the right way, there are going to be days that you go to sleep thinking... God, am I doing this right? Like, man, what the hell? How could I do this better? Or, man, I feel bad. Like, maybe I shouldn't have, like, maybe I shouldn't have done things this way. Um, but just don't quit. Like, always seek to get better because your kids will see that. They'll see you trying. They'll, and, you know, share, in, you know, share your vulnerability as a parent with your kids as well because they see that and they appreciate that. And if they see that you're actually trying and they see some of the dilemmas that you as a parent 
go through as you're raising your kids. It helps them respect your decisions more. So just don't quit and be there for them. Never stop. Very well said. I love the message. It's an honor to actually meet you in person and do this one in person. You're a first-class father all the way, and thank you so much. All right. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.